Don't Meet Me in the Middle is doing its first raffle. Check out our Twitter or Instagram for more info and official rules. We'll be giving away free swag to two lucky winners. Our Twitter handle is Don't Meet Me One. Our Instagram is Don't Meet Me in the Middle. We'll provide links in the description and back to your regularly scheduled program. Thanks, guys. So I have another joke for you. Okay, let's hear it. How do you make a paraglider pilot do what you want? I don't know. You pull some strings. <laughs> oh my god. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Ryan. And this is Don't Meet Don't Me, meet in, me the in the Middle. middle. <laughs> Where we watched the first episode of a drama. And the last episode of a drama. Then we rate the whole drama based on those two episodes. Alright, this week we are watching Crash Landing on You, episode 16, the finale. This episode of the podcast is going to be a little bit different. Episode 16 was a little bit longer than a normal Korean drama episode. So we are going to go through the beginning as normal. And then once we hit a certain point, we're going to talk character by character. And then we are going to conclude with just a regular play-by-play of what happens in the scenes. Shaking things up. <laughs> I guess so. No, the, um, the episode was two hours long. Things had to change. Yeah, we needed to somehow condense this, and this is the best way we could figure it out. So You're welcome. We, I guess. <laughs> we start out with my boy, Alberto. I'm only going to okay. call him Alberto, by the way. I don't... I know that's not his real name, but I really like the name Alberto. Okay, uh, I'm not going to call him that, I don't think. We'll see. Okay. We open with Alberto loading his shotgun with a gun wound on his shoulder already. Side note, this is when I'm going to talk about Alberto. He's played by Kim Jong-hyun, who is popular for a bit but then fell off the face of the earth. This is his comeback drama, actually. So he was quite popular before this drama, but... And which um, drama was he popular in? He was in Welcome to Waikiki, Time, School 2017, and a couple movies. But he was nominated for so many awards for, I think, School 2017 is what he was best known for. Okay. And then after he got all that popularity, he kind of fell off the face of the earth and no one knew what happened to him. So this was kind of his comeback. Maybe he was in North Korea as well. Um, no. And then there's this random woman on the ground during this scene as well, who is So Tan, who's played by So Ji Hye, who's a prominent actress who's currently working on a drama called Dinner Mate. So that's that's really all I could find about her for now. Okay. Back to the scene. He simultaneously gets shot and shoots someone, and she goes to him while he quote-unquote dies. I didn't... Spoiler alert. Alberto dies <laughs> in this episode. I didn't think he was going to die. I thought it was going to be like, oh, he's he's dead. But then he comes back in like a scene later. But no, he's fucking dead. He, he's just dead. Yeah, they killed a main character. I was shook. The scene cuts to the hospital where Seti is in critical condition and her mother is watching over her. Seems like they're back in the south. Jung-hyuk runs over to her location and everyone seems shook that he's there. And then she fucking flatlines. Which is the parallel to Alberto, I guess, because back in the ambulance, Dan is talking to Alberto and trying to make him remember the promise that they made to give him a chance if he comes back from wherever he was going. And she said that she was going to give him a chance. 
The only thing I could really think about during the scene was that I really liked her outfit. It was like a beige jacket, and I think she had like a scarf that really matched well. She looked really good. Okay, so I know it's a little too early to be commenting on fashion, but mm -hmm. I kind of agree with you. She's like the only one that I liked in terms of fashion throughout this whole drama. Everyone else was just doing a terrible job. Yeah, every outfit that she has is pretty much on point. Big props to the costume department on Just her. her. No one Just else. Just her. <laughs> Just her. Because she looked so good this entire she, drama. And she, I can say that about did. no one else. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that holds up. Mm -hmm. So Alberto starts to take off his mask, his breathing mask that gives him the oxygen. And the nurse behind him shakes his head no. He's kind of like, what is he doing? And then there's another flashback where he asks her what he likes, and she responds, in the present, that it was him. And then Alberto fucking dies. Yeah. Dan begs the paramedic to do something, but he's dead. So, already, Alberto was my favorite character in the drama. Oh my god, you barely saw him! I saw him at this one action scene, and I saw him in the first episode when he was a con man, and he was my favorite character. And he's dead. So I guess I have nothing much to say about that other than Dan is now my favorite character because her outfits are on point. So back okay. at the hospital, Seti comes back with a pulse and it seems like Jonghyuk has to leave after finding out that news, but Seti's parents don't want him to leave. And then there's this cool transition where it's like the two characters and they walk across the screen at each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like that transition. It's a parallel to the intro, which I still really like, by the way. Oh, God. We cut to North Korean soldiers in a South Korean cafeteria. They're very suspicious about the good food. And the Ajishi, who is like with the young soldiers, he says that he got scouted by the South Korean government. And he seems very proud about this fact until everyone else tells him that they were offered the same proposition, which embarrasses him because he was making it seem a lot bigger than it really was. Yeah, he was just trying to flex because I think he's second in seniority after Jonghyuk. So he's all like, see, South Korea recognizes me. So they're trying to turncoat me. And then I was like, you're not special. They tried to, they made the offer to everyone. Yeah, I mean, like, they're North Korean soldiers. I feel like they would have given them, every each one of them, that opportunity. Again, the second in command. I So, okay. This is, uh, no, oof, okay. We are not discussing the middle yet, so I will not discuss the middle. So move on. All right, one week later, two officials in the North Korean government are discussing a trade between the North and the South. The six North Korean soldiers for the nine South Korean soldiers that they have on their side. One of the officials is Jonghyuk's father. The father accuses the other official of having a son that has done much worse than his son, and they both mutually agree that they should cover up for each other and accept the deal of the six for nine. Meanwhile, back in the South Korean government, they're discussing the same thing. They're more concerned about espionage, but they also want to make this deal as well as add on to the fact that those families have to meet each other. So the North Korean families and the South Korean families have another opportunity to meet. It's, this plot point doesn't really get expounded on. It's just something that I think the government does. Yeah, it wasn't important. Yep. Seti awakes at the hospital and Mr. Hong and associates meet up with her. And then her mother walks into the room and tells Mr. Hong to leave, which makes me wonder what the point is in having him come into the room at all. 
I think it's just a power flex because the mom didn't have, like, I guess, a good relationship with her daughter. But then, so in this scene, she's in her daughter's hospital room and she's clearing it out, you know? So it's all like, ooh, mom's in charge and it seems like mom's got Seti's back. Yeah, I, I can see that, but I don't understand why Mr. Hong had to walk in and then immediately walk out. Just to show, like, the mom has authority now, because, like, she seemed passive in the first episode, and now here she is being, like, an active role, like, an active participant in Seti's life. I feel like she exuded authority when we first met her. She has authority, but she's only exuding it over her sons. So this is, I think, the first time she's exuding it over Seti and Seti's life. Okay, I guess that's fair. I just felt bad for Mr. Hong. I think that's just expected. Like, hey, they want a private talk, so gotta clear the room. I don't think there's anything to feel bad about. I still feel oh. bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Seti's mother lets her know that Jung-hyuk is going to go back to the north right now. <laughs> she offers her one last time to see him, but she rejects the offer because she has said goodbye to him so many times. And she doesn't want him to be swayed by her condition. Which I think the opposite happens, but we'll get to that. Her mother says that Jung-hyuk had stayed by her side the entire time she was unconscious and that he already knew about her condition. We get a montage of people going to visit her while he stays through the changes of people. Side note, it's heavily implied that one of the sister-in-laws has a bad for Jung-hyuk. Which Is I thought it? was funny. Yes, because she was like, oh, I, I, I'm her sister-in-law, I should be here. But the entire time she was looking at Jung-hyuk and her husband noticed and she was like, don't make me angry, come on, let's go. I did think that was weird, but I'm like, I thought she was happily married and she seems happy with her husband. It seems like she married him for his money, not for that. We were talking about the oldest brother's wife, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. She seems like she's in a happier place in her marriage compared to the second wife. Doesn't mean that she can't see what's in front of her, which is a semi-attractive man. Okay. I mean, you know I'm right. I know you are right. I just don't like the writers that are drooling over because he gets drooled on by all the other women. Yeah, I guess. I kind of noticed that later on in the scenes. So why why is this side character of a side character also because like no adding one can on to resist this? him? Okay. I don't understand I'm, either. I am dis okay. Uh, official note: Allison is disappointed. Noted. This apparently shows how much he loves her, and he goes out of view of her when she wakes up, and then he gets taken away. Seti eventually submits and asks to see him one more time. On the bus back to the north, everyone is, is in a somber mood, but they're grateful that she's back on her feet. It seems like Seti had been afflicted with some kind of illness. Unknown. Don't really care about it. It's just a drama trope. And then they try and reassure Jung-hyuk that she's going to be okay. But they're all sad because they're leaving South Korea. And of course, this is propaganda. I'm not saying it's bad propaganda. I'm just saying it's propaganda. Seti's mom drives like a maniac in order to intercept the bus that holds Jung-hyuk. And she calls one of the, I guess, agents? NIS. I think the agency is NIS. Okay, I wasn't certain. She calls one of the NIS agents and order to rendezvous with them to make sure that they meet up before they leave the country. Side note, the North Korean soldiers look so much better in civilian clothing. That might be me just being biased towards not liking military outfits, though. I know a lot of girls who do like a man in uniform. Okay, and... I like a man in uniform, but it's strictly, like, mailmen and, like, UPS. <laughs> 
God, you're just like Eleanor. It's, yeah, I am. I don't know why that is. I guess you support the men in blue. I hate that. <laughs> I love it when it's cheaty. I don't care about anyone else. I just love it when it's cheaty. He did look very good in that outfit. He did. Where were we? Back on track. Uh, we were talking about the North Korean soldier outfits. They looked very good. Honestly, Okay, it's maybe. a major upgrade from what they had before. I guess. <sighs> I don't pay attention to men's fashion unless they're like undeniably hot. Okay, well then. The exchange begins, and the South suggests that they wait for the appointed time to give Seti more time to get to the border, but the North really doesn't want to waste any more time. After Jung Hyuk crosses the line, Seti comes, and she runs towards him? Towards the line? Yeah. I don't know what she was thinking. I think it's supposed to be love conquers all type of thing. Like, Love's her love her and her concern overpowers i guess the symbolic line the line that represents the north korea and south korea tension so in this scene her love is overpowering i guess two governments yeah but this almost starts like another north south war i guess yeah Mm -hmm. because it does or maybe like a kerfuffle Mm -hmm. jung-hyuk sees her running towards the line and he's like um if she crosses over she's gonna have to go to north korean jail and I don't want that to happen to her because she's probably going to die. So he crosses the line and pretty much like embraces her to stop her from going towards the, the line again. Going back to North Korea. Yeah. So she begs him to stay, but there's not really anything that he can do in this circumstance. He has to go back to the North. There are too many external factors. Yeah, like his family will die if he doesn't. Exactly. So... Basically, he says that he will never regret their time together, no matter what happens to him. And as soon as they say they love each other, they're forced away from each other in order to maintain the peace between the North and South. The other North Korean soldiers wish her well, and they are carted away. All right, so this is the point where we are going to go character by character. We are going to go over the different major characters' plot points, but first we're going to start with the North Korean side characters. (laughs) because they are important as well. I have a question, because I don't know how you organize your notes. Are you going to do the original squad plus the added man, or like, or are you going to do them separate? I don't know what added man you're talking about. Okay. Because I I didn't recognize a cast shift. Although I did a... see that the cute guy from episode one wasn't in the group anymore. Everyone, I think, should have been there. Plus one additional person. His nickname is The Rat because he listens to people. He kind of like spies on people with the permission of the North Korean government. And you see him in certain scenes like with his wife um, when he re-enters North Korea and with his son. Okay, I did put him in, but I didn't know what his character name was. And I probably won't refer to him (laughs) that much. His nickname is The Rat, so that's what I call him. He has a name, but... Okay. I just didn't know if he was part of the North Korean squad or... No, he's a part of the North Korean squad. And I also think that he might be on Jung Hyuk's page as well because I was just putting things together. Okay, that makes... sense. was like a scene, one scene. That makes sense. Okay, let's do it. All right. So we're first going to talk, talk about the North Korean side characters. And we'll start off with the North Korean soldiers. So the first scene that we get back with them in North Korea is that they're talking about French fries. 
and they're all reminiscing about South Korea and the differences between the North and the South. Most notably, they note the lack of internet, hot water, and no electricity. So they're all pretty much complaining and saying the South is better than the North, which is, you know, expected because media and propaganda, but it's probably based in a lot of truth, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. I think you're being a little harsh with the throwing around the word propaganda. I mean, it is though. Maybe, but like it's to be expected. You know, like oh, yeah. it's maybe not. It is. Okay. Yeah. All propaganda media is propaganda. Is yeah, all media is. And they're just trying to be patriotic. I think it's because. I'm not mad about it. I'm just recognizing it. You're right to recognize it and point it out. But I think the show has done a generous depiction generous depiction i guess of north korea and the north korean characters so -hmm. like i do think while it is propaganda there's some attempts to make balance it or make it more fair like there's no one's really trying to demonize anyone's choices that's fair i like that also i don't care about the squad individually so i will only talk about the group as a whole plus the rat the rat i think i gave him his own little segment page i mean this is the only scene that they have in between the last segment and the one year later so you're good we're done talking about them for now (laughs) wait that's it yeah i mean what else is there to talk about they didn't have any other scenes oh here's what i wrote i think it was like nice that they got to experience like the joys of south korea because the majority of the drama was steady hanging out in north korea like enjoying the luxuries and the struggles that came with that Yeah, I did like that when they showed them in the cafeteria and they were like, why are they feeding us such good food? And in my head, I was like, it's cafeteria food. It's not good. But they probably haven't experienced that kind of environment before. Yep. Which I liked. So I think what I really liked about this episode is that I think there's like a lot of symbolism or juxtaposition. So I just wanted to point that part out. Let's cut to the North Korean village Ajamas. I loved all of these women. (laughs) They were all so perfect. In what way? I don't know. They're gossiping Ajamas. Like, love them. their clothes are so ugly. So? I care. I care that their clothes are so ugly. I didn't say you shouldn't care. I'm just saying, what does that have to do with their personality? The way you dress is a reflection of who you are. Okay, the way they dress is because they probably don't have money for clothes. I disagree. Fashion. There was like a lot of fashion moments for the ladies. And one of the Ajima, she's like, she has the most political power in the village because her husband is high ranked in the military. And her being the most affluent and the most power, she gets like a lot more attention. No, 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 no. Tan's mother, she's not really part of the gossiping Ajima. She's part of like the city. She's like a city person. If you, oh god, that's spoiling the middle. Okay, something, 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 something. That's why she's in the village. But I would not put her as part as the um, Ajima crew just yet. Okay, so the village Ajimas are gossiping and, you know, as Ajimas do. And one of them had gone on a recent trip to Europe. And the woman who went to Europe is giving them gifts. That is Tan's mother. Yeah, that's who I thought it was. So it's Tan's mother... She's giving these village Ajima's gifts, 
and it is the latest line of beauty products from SETI's choice. And SETI had made products that depict each of the women in the village. It seems like Tan's mother had some kind of grudge against SETI for a while, but that has ended, and I have an idea of what that was about, but I'll get to that later. And honestly, I was very touched by this gesture, and when they were like looking at the product and realizing what SETI had done, I was like tearing up. I think I was crying a little bit. Aww. Because <laughs> it was just so emotional. And I was like, oh my God, she didn't forget them. Like, this is a very important part of her life and she's not going to let it not be a part of her story. It's, it, it is great. all those things. I just really like those Ajumas. And I think that this scene is why. Because they had made a positive impact on her life and it shows. And they are grateful to have yeah. been a part of her story. Even mm-hmm. if they can't be with her. Which I liked. I agree to everything you said. I would just like to point out this is the first mistake that I caught um, <laughs> for the drama. So I will I will now taint the scene. Okay. Okay. So somewhere around the dialogue, they mention or in the subtitles, they mention the word saudaidi uh, in reference to the makeup that they were receiving. Mm-hmm. Like they said, like oh, what does this say? And it says saudaidi. The thing is. It does not, okay? It fucking doesn't, okay? What they say in Korean uh, for, like, the makeup, like, what the name is called is kuriyom. Kuriyom? Okay. Yeah, I th- okay. Kuriyom. So, kuriyom is the Korean word. That's what I think the makeup is being called. The subtitles mm-hmm. are calling the makeup saldaidi. Saldaidi is a Portuguese word because guess what? English doesn't have a word that quite matches what I think kuriyom is trying to portray. So I have both definitions for saldaidi and kuriyom. Do you want to, which one do you want to hear, I guess? Let's hear saldaidi first. Okay, so saldaidi, again, Portuguese word. There's, it's really, really hard, I think, to capture the meaning or intenseness. Because it's kind of, okay, I'll just read whatever. Mm-hmm. Deep emotional state of nostalgic or profound melancholic longing for an absent something or someone. And then someone, I guess, condensed it to like bittersweet. But again, I don't think it just has the powerful connotation or complex emotion that comes with it. Right. And then kuriyum is translated as longing or nostalgia. So I think that's why I'm mad at the scene. I think both words don't quite carry the complex emotion Steady's trying to honor them with. And so that's a mistake that I caught. Yeah, that makes sense. I would be pretty confused by that. Or I think I was confused by it, but I just chose to ignore it. No, I was very confused when I saw it because I was like, they were tearing up a lot at the word saudite. And I'm like, I'm not, I didn't hear those bitches say that word. No one's saying saudite. Why is the subtitle saying it? Like, I don't know what any of these words mean. And then I Google it. It's not even English. It's Portuguese. And they're saying kuriyum. And I'm all like, why couldn't they just... <sighs> Anyways. I apologize for your frustration. <laughs> I have a second rant coming up. All right. Look forward to it. So we're going to cut to a scene with Jonghyuk's mother and Tan's mother. They meet up and Tan's mother apologizes and says that their offspring aren't meant for each other. Seems like they were pushing their children together for the past 10 years and Tan's mother admits that Tan is in love with someone else. So this is my theory that Jonghyuk and Tan were, I guess, engaged or betrothed together wild which is unbelievable in a k-drama there's a love triangle love quadrangles dare i say 
it's not surprising at all. But we'll, we'll get to that when we go into more um, middle discussion. Mm-hmm. Back at the Korean village, North Korean village, the Ajumas have started gossiping again, and it looks like Chung Hyuk is going to come to the village. So this is, yeah. This they is them have, drooling. Yes, they have. They are drooling over Chung Hyuk, which I don't. I don't get it. Okay, they've been drooling over him for sixteen episodes. I wish they would say something new in terms of like compliments. You know. Yeah, that's fair. I can see how this can be frustrating. Jung Hyuk is coming to the village. They've all dolled up despite the cold. And Jung Hyuk reveals to them that he has become a pianist and he is going to be leaving the village. And it seems like the older leader of the company is going to be the new captain who was the Achishi from the cafeteria who was bragging about being scouted by South Korean government. I call that Ajashi medicine man because he's the guy who drank the medicine, the snake wine. That's that's a fair, that's a fair reason. <laughs> Although Ajumas are very sad that he's leaving, but I'm sure they're happy for his opportunity. And Jung-hyuk seems a little sad that he's leaving as well. So those were all the scenes in the middle with all the North Korean villagers. Um, not including the rat. Not including the rat. Yeah, I guess he comes later in my notes. Yeah, so I think that concludes nicely, I think, their storyline. And so, oh god, we're still not talking about the middle part. Okay, I'm gonna drop it. Sounds good. Unless you want, okay, uh, are you are you gonna guess what happens to them for the middle? Like, are you gonna guess the middle for each of the characters? Because of all the no, storylines? probably not, no. Then I'm gonna talk about it. Alright. So I just think, like... Seti affected them. They affected Seti. So it was nice to see how their encounter has changed each other. And because, like, especially with Medicine Man, he was very anti-South Korea. Even after he started to trust Seti and, like, accept that Seti and him were tied, like, linked. Like, if she got caught, Mm -hmm. they were both screwed. Right. So he was... It was nice. He didn't, like, start, I guess becoming Mr. Propaganda Man until he actually entered South Korea. And then, like, it was, like, really, really cute because one of the guys, like, K-drama dude, like, who's always watching K-dramas, he actually got to meet, like, one of the OG actors. Said he promised to me because she's on table and she had connections. So it was, like, really, really nice seeing the storylines. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, should have watched it. And then, like, so said he liked to joke. No, I'm not even mad at you. Steady liked to joke like that she was really, really rich and like no one believed her because like, girl, you're stuck in North Korea and you're broke. You would die. We didn't help you. And then mm-hmm. turns out she's a chaebol. She gave them her credit card to spend um, when they were in South Korea. And all they did was like go to like PC banks and play video games and stuff like that and buy like ramen from convenience stores. But like they I saw, mean that yeah. is that is a very good experience. <laughs> but it was like really nice to see like the reciprocity. I can't say that word. Help me. <laughs> Res- Help me, right? I don't think I can say it either. Oh, god damn. Okay. Um, it was nice seeing the give and take in their relationship. And I like that it was a happy ending. No one died. They all could have died. There was even some torture scenes. There was a lot of fighting, like bullets, and like almost getting caught. And like, it was just so nice and relieving to see that it was all happy, you know? Because they did kill a character. Was it the cute guy from the first episode? It was Alberto. Oh, okay. Dummy. I'm like very focused on this cute guy from the episode one because I don't think I see him in this episode. He didn't die. I know, but I said I didn't see him. Yeah, well, you have glasses. Get a better prescription. 
My prescription's just fine, thank you. Uh, debatable. I'm actually getting an appointment on Wednesday. I know, that's why it's debatable. Okay, the next character we're going to talk about is Tan. She's back in North Korea and refusing to eat anything. What do you mean back in North Korea? She never left. I thought that they were in South Korea in the hospital, so excuse me. But Tan was apparently always in North Korea. I'm sorry my notes were wrong. (laughs) Okay, um, say the whole thing all over again, because I think somewhere I want to correct you. I just want to see. Okay, I thought Tan was in South Korea because the hospital. North Korea has hospitals. Yes, but they were also paralleling it with Sadie's experience in the hospital, which is why I was confused. That's because they're paralleling, juxtapositioning, symbol, uh, something, 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 their relationship. Alberto and Tan and Sadie and Jonghyuk, because they're both star-crossed lovers. They're both in love with people from South Korea while right, in North but Korea. but I just thought that they were in South Korea too. Anyways, uh, okay. Tan is in North Korea. She's refusing to eat anything and her uncle and mother are worried for her. Girl is wearing full makeup and lying on her pillow. Looking flawless. I'm not, I'm not a makeup expert, but I know that you're not supposed to like put on makeup and then also sleep. That I mean, that is correct. That is true. You just have to think about one thing. I think the director, I guess, wanted uh, Tan looking gorgeous at all times. I mean, she does look pretty flawless. Yeah. I like her makeup, but I'm just saying it's not economically sound, I guess. I don't care about it being economically sound. She's, I guess, their version of a chebol for North Korea. She's loaded. What I don't like is that I think they're trying to show her grieving, and they are, but I feel like it would have been a bigger testament to her grief if she went with a makeupless look. I agree with that. But I think that's just something you don't see in South Korean dramas. Like, there would be, like, a lot of times where you're like, oh my god, you look terrible. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're wearing full face makeup. They look great. No bags. Yeah. Like there's like There's, like, no, like, blushing or red patches. There's no, like, acne or, like, 24 hours baggy, didn't sleep at all kind of looks. I and, wish. yeah, like... <laughs> Tan's been crying and like her eyes don't look puffy at all and she's her eyeliner is flawless but yeah we'll move on it looks so good all right (laughs) the mom is trying to relate to her and build on their relationship and I can tell that this is like a growth point in their relationship with each other but the uncle is playing the comic relief in this role and says that he can find a better guy for her in this really strange voice and that and then the mother kind of just looks at her, looks at him, and it's just like, why? Why would you say that in this moment? And then the mom is berating the uncle outside of her room, and then Tan miraculously comes out of her room and states that she wants revenge. And her mother and uncle say that they are experts at revenge, and they can help her with that. I honestly love petty people using their pettiness for good. Yes, it very much, I was like, oh, oh, they can do things. I am excited to see what they do. I was disappointed by what they could do, but it was a nice moment at the time. Um, I th- Okay, so I don't think their influence, their power is disappointing. I think how the director chose to display it is because it almost seems like they did nothing. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that, That's why I'm disappointed. Because the uncle... Wait, do you, are you going to guess about the middle for either the characters involved right now? I mean, I feel like the uncle is just a very high-ranking official in the North Korean government, which is why yeah. he can do whatever, and Tan is just 
very talented person. Tan isn't shown any other talents besides looking gorgeous, being cold, and I guess maybe being a musician. It's mostly her mom and her high-ranking uncle. Her mom owns a mall, I guess, in Pyongyang. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. I, so the mom it. has a lot of influence with business owners. She has money. That's why she goes on Europe. And then uh, the uncle has the military might. So like they're like double whammies. Couple. Yeah, except they're brother and sister. Also, yeah, I never yeah. pay attention to what the uncle says in his weird voice. I'm always staring at his eyes. Yeah, his eyes are so interesting. They're like bug eyes. Bug eyed and maybe a little cross eyed. Either way, his eyes are mesmerizing. They are. Like, not in a bad way. It's just, it's, they're very interesting to look at. Is it coming across negatively? Because I don't mean that. I'm just like, I'm just. It is coming a little bit. It, it is mesmerizing. I think, that, that, I think that's just because. Um, but it's like facts. It, I'm making a statement. I just like staring at his eyes. Me too. So eventually they find someone who is associated with the gang that killed Alberto. And she in- interrogates him for information, which leads back to Seti's younger brother. And that's pretty much the end of that scene. Uh, and the next scene with Tan. Tan is going to Alberto's apartment to work on his estate, and she reminisces about their first quote-unquote date. On that date, he sings Busker Busker. Love that song. Grade A song. Spring I don't know it. song. It's, I know you don't know it, and it frustrates me. Hold on. Okay, I'm going to send it to you now. Do you want me to listen to it now or yes. at the end of the podcast? Okay, no, listen to, to it, it now. now. That was worth it. You were right. I told you I don't lie. <laughs> I don't. I've never accused you of lying. Well, maybe uh, I have. Yes, you have. <laughs> Anyways, so Alberto sings Busker Busker. Now you Busker know. Busker is the band. That's not the song. Isn't that the name of the song? No, that's the band. Oh, you're right. He sings a Busker Busker song. I think it's Cherry Blossom Ending. You're right. That is what it's called. I just remember busker busker because I really like busking. Wait, what? what is that word, the verb? To busk is to sing on like the side of the street and perform for money. Oh, That's okay. I didn't know that. I'm learning so much. I like busking. I like the idea of busking. Tan is going to Alberto's apartment. Not the apartment, apparently. She just reminisces about her past romance and she's clearly heartbroken about her loss. But that's the end of her scenes until we cut to a year later, I think. That's the, that's the end of her scenes until we cut to a year later. Now we're going to talk about Chunghyuk. Chunghyuk goes back to North Korea. Got that right. <laughs> when he when they crossed the border, I honestly thought they were going to cut to a five years later because that's typical drama material, but they didn't, and I was pleasantly surprised. I think they did that for Seti in particular, I think, to show what she went through i guess during the separation got it or what or what she did with her time yes they, they definitely show Sadie's time a lot more jonghyuk goes back to north korea his mother begs his father to go and meet jonghyuk when they pick him up and he obliges the bus that carries the defected North Korean soldiers stops in the middle of the road and they're met by an official that Jung Hyuk's father chastised earlier on in the episode. And the official is saying that they should just disappear here, meaning that he's going to kill them all at that location because they have committed a crime and there is no judge 
no, the, the guy is playing judge, jury, and executioner. Jung Hyuk is asking to leave the rest of the company alone since technically it is his fault and they were just following his orders. And then Jung Hyuk's father comes out of the bushes and kills the soldiers that are going to kill Jung Hyuk and his company. And also he kills the commander. Mercilessly. He like shoots him like five times. But I mean, if someone was threatening my child, not that I'll ever have children, but if someone was threatening my child, I'd probably do the same. So I don't, I don't blame him. Would you like context or are you going to guess the middle? Honestly, I don't care. Okay, so killing that guy because Jung Hyuk's life was threatened, I think was very, very triggering because Jung Hyuk has an older brother who was part of the military and he died. So it's all like, I lost one son, I won't lose another. And I think that's why the mom like asked the dad, like, please pick him up because I think North Korea sees them as defectors. Because I don't know if you want to guess how they got into South Korea and then like why they're in trouble if you want to do that. They were seen as defectors, so I think they were going to get a trial, but the mom suspected that maybe they would just be killed on sight because like you're already, you're guilty, I guess. Like we caught you red-handed maybe kind of thing. Also, I think that guy... (sighs) It seemed like maybe they had a rivalry going on and that he was vying for... Jung Hyuk's father's position, maybe position and power, and this isn't this isn't the first attempt to off Jung Hyuk. Not surprising, honestly. Yeah, it's not. That's all I want to divulge for right now. Okay. Yeah. Jung Hyuk and his father drive back home, and his father asks him if Seti is all right, which triggers Jung Hyuk, and he starts to cry. And he they weren't reunited. close, father Sorry. and son wise. So I think. It, oh, the father kidnapped a girlfriend of Jung Hyuk. So let's just say their relationship hasn't always been the best. Fun. <laughs> Fun for everyone. And then in the next scene, you're going to talk about the mom, right? Yeah, the mom ends up crying and hugging him. Like Wrong, fool. You skipped something. Okay, so like the mom is in her house in the living room and she hears the door open and she's struggling to open a package because she thinks her husband failed. So she's about to commit suicide. Oh my because... God, is that what that was? Yes, that's why you're wrong. Okay, well, uh, okay. It's fine. Uh, I just like being aggressive because that scene is just so disturbing. Why is that disturbing? (sighs) I think that A, she didn't check to verify if that was her son and husband before it's like North Korean soldiers who killed her husband and son and now gonna like interrogate, torture, and kill her. So she's like, I'd rather off myself. Like she took zero time to verify. She's like, gotta get the pills. Gotta get well, ready. It didn't, it didn't even seem like Chung Hyuk's father was going to go and pick him up in that last conversation. He was kind of like, oh, you're a crazy woman. So if anything, I think that her idea was that Chung Hyuk's father didn't even bother to pick him up and that Chung Hyuk has died and she's left with just the father. I think she did say that she couldn't live without her son because she already lost one. She doesn't want to lose another. Got it. She did say something to that effect, but I think I was taking notes during that time. Okay, well, that's disturbing. (laughs) The soldiers go back home, and I guess the rat is reunited with his family. Is that him? Manpo? Yes, that's him. Okay, I cried during this scene. Yeah, it's very touching. I don't even know who he is, but I cried. (laughs) All right, so... Would you like context, or no? no? Okay. No, I honestly don't care. It was emotional enough for me to cry, and I'm fine Well, I care. I'm going to give you context. So... What he means the most to me, I think, out of all the North Korean characters, because I think he was assigned a 
a shitty job. Like, his job was literally to spy on people. He literally said he spent 10 years underground listening to spy equipment, spying on his neighbors, his friends, other government officials. Like, A, I think, like, it just shows, like, the lack of trust that the whole system set up. And B, how he couldn't, like, really have friends. And it also ties into Jung-hyuk's brother, because Jung-hyuk's brother was the first one to treat him with any decency. And then he had a hand in murdering him. Or, in, or had a hand in his death. But I like to see that they never, ever, ever demonized him. He was always just someone following orders. And that if he didn't follow orders, it would maybe be him in the torture chamber. Or he was doing it just to provide for his family. And him going to South Korea, actually, was the first chance or first ever opportunity that he stopped following orders and like started doing, following his heart, I guess, in a way. Because... The whole time he was spying, he really became enamored with the people he was spying on because they were just such kind, nice people. Like, they they weren't traitors. They mm-hmm. were just people living their lives. So he went to South Korea to help and, like, follow his heart. And it was nice to see that he didn't die because that was possible. He was risking a lot. And it was nice to see that his family reunited. Yes, I did like that aspect with his him and his family. I think that's what made me cry. Yep. And then he gets promoted, and I think his new job is either, like, ASMR or, like, background noises. I don't think it's a promotion. I just think it's a different job. It is a different job, but they treat it as a promotion because he's he's moving into Pyongyang, I think, into the bigger city. So more opportunities, more affluence. So it's a promotion, even though it's not in the same career. He started working at a television company in Pyongyang. Yeah. That's what it was. And so I think he was recording ambient sounds. Yeah, background noises. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. Did you finish yeah. the drama, by the way? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Why? Nothing. I was just wondering. I will say this. Like, around, like, the final couple episodes, I stopped watching. It was just too much. And I just read the synopsis because I, I had to know. Fair enough. And in the last scene that Jung-yuk has, he meets up with Tan. Tan has another Alberto flashback where Alberto gives her a ring in Jungkook's home. Tan doesn't tell Jungkook that Alberto has died, just that he had moved far away. And then Tan remember reminisces about their trip to Switzerland, Jungkook and Tan's trip. Jungkook was taking a lot of pictures during that trip and he seemed to have ignored her the entire time. And Tan gives him back the camera that she stole, stole it to throw away. And Tan says the reason that he was more interested in the scenery then her is on the camera. And it turns out, Seti was in Switzerland the same time, and Chunghyuk took a picture of her, which is incredibly rude. You don't take pictures of people you don't know without their consent. And also, she was crying on a bridge. You yes, don't do to that. all those things. That is not an okay thing to do. It's not, but you know why they did it, right? Of course, they had to make it fate. It was yeah, fate. so fate, I think wipes away those tricky lines of consent and awareness and respect common decency privacy you know all those tenets pillars of foundation of society really yeah later on we see that picture in their switzerland villa so they obviously kept it and said it was okay even though i disagree with that wholeheartedly i will tell you why later if you'd like to know i might just tell you anyways because it's hot tea i honestly don't I know you don't care, but it's hot tea. Okay. I assume it's something with an ex-boyfriend. Anyways. Oh, buddy. um, Now we move on to Seti. She's back in the south. Again, last time I saw her, she was in the north. She's in the south now. 
Her younger brother is trying to cover up his tracks. I assume that he became the president of the father's company in Seti's absence. Yes. It looks like he was trying to find Alberto, and he was the one who hired the gang that killed him, and hired the gang to kill Seti as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's his wife that he's sitting next to. Yes. Okay, good. She was recording the entire conversation as insurance against him, and she assures no. him. No, other way around. He was recording the conversation to place all the blame on his wife. So well, if they she was the in, one that had the phone, and he was the she only took one it talking. out of his he she took it out of his jacket pocket and said like because it's to show that she's smarter than him and that she knew what he was doing. Well, completely missed it. She also erased the recording or stopped the recording. I missed both of those things. I know. Honestly, it doesn't matter. I think it just shows that they're both awful people. Like, he's willing to, like, shift all Allison, the blame onto his wife. What? I think that it's shown that they're awful people when they try and murder these two characters. I'm just saying at least own your actions, you know? But they don't even have the decency to do that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that happens, and they walk in on Seti talking to her father. It looks like Seti's going to be prosecuted because she did cross the 38 parallel, but she's okay because she'll have her father's attorney. And Seti flips the script on the younger brother and accuses him of a crime as well. They have witnesses who have all the receipts for the crimes that they did, and they're arrested without hesitation. Literally... <laughs> The police come in on the same scene and take them away, which I was kind of shook because I thought that was going to happen, like, not at their house, but okay. I think if they did it at their house, there was no chance for paparazzi to take pictures of it. Fair enough, but it's a pretty big scandal, so they're not going to get away from the news. Well, the NIS was handling it, and I think the NIS is the USA equivalent of the CIA or the FBI, so discretion, I think, mattered, especially since it was, like, North Korean politics. Discretion matters, but they're still going to figure it out. North Korean politics are sensitive. I still think they're going to figure it out. Or at least they'll they'll see that the younger brother was defaced, so that it's going to be like, well, why was he defaced? And it's going to be a big scandal anyways, regardless. Why do you use the word defaced and not disowned? The company. The company. Oh, okay. Not well. It's never. It's it's never shown, so it literally doesn't matter. Yep, pretty much. So, um, Seti's father cuts him off, and it seems like Seti is a little bit upset about the situation, but I don't think it's ever revealed why she's upset about the situation, other than the fact that her brother tried to kill her. I think that's it. That's 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 it. It didn't seem like they were especially close. I don't know why she was so upset. Cause you don't like it when. I guess reality crashes on your ideas or not ideas like your hopes you always hope your brother won't murder you it's disappointing when like you have to face that fact and like help with the police to capture him I guess yeah I guess that makes sense that's what Uh, most of us hope anyways yeah weirdos (laughs) um Seti comes back home and she sees a recipe on her fridge, which I assume that Chunghyuk left. And she starts to cry on her kitchen floor. And then she starts listening to a recording of a piano to help her fall asleep and gets a text message from Chunghyuk. Turns out he gets permission to text her through a phone. Not sure why that is, but. You, I think, misread the scene. Misread which scene? The, the phone scene. She gets a text from Chunghyuk? Yes. How's that? I don't understand what okay. I missed. So when something, 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 
Jung-hook's in South Korea, and, like, communicating with the NIS, they gave him a phone. That's That was the agent showing him how to use the phone, and they showed him that he can schedule texts. So all the texts were pre-planned. They were sent while Jung-hook was still in South Korea. So when he left North Korea, when he went to North Korea, no more phone, no more texting. So I think that's more touching. It's kind of like dated letters, I guess. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I was wondering why she wasn't responding. <laughs> and I just did not get that context. Okay. Yeah, he explains like, hey, you can't text me back because like, I won't see it. I'm in North Korea. I gave the phone back. I might have, my eyes might have gone glossy at that point because I was It was like, the last this? text because she was all like, oh, how? Because you, even if you have a phone in North Korea, you can't text South Korea. Right. I think I, maybe I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to watch any more of this. And that was the last scene I watched before I went to sleep and took a break. That's fair. So I, I was very confused by the texts, but now that makes sense. Okay. So he writes messages. The first message was like, oh, I rearranged the books on your bookshelf to tell you a message, which is just a message that he loves her. Yeah, she did the same thing earlier. So it's all like reciprocity. Can't say that word. Okay. <laughs> he reminds, he, these are the texts in order. Well, I'm not going to do them all in order. That's a, they do a year of text. Please don't. Uh, the next text is that he reminds her to eat an apple and that's parallel with they're doing it together. He tells her to mind the rules of the road. The next text is that he Can I say that out of all the texts that he sent, that one bothered me the most because it was all like he's backseat driving in North Korea. He is backseat driving pre-planned. Like it was just so annoying. Yeah, I put a question mark by that one because I wasn't sure why... He thought the need to say anything about her driving. I think if I'm remembering correctly, there was a scene where she was driving a car. I think time was important or it was a matter of urgency. So she was not the most careful driver. So I think he's just like, we're not in a life or death situation anymore. Please drive safely. Okay. I feel like that would have been common knowledge for her, but whatever. Also, I feel like she also wouldn't be driving, like, herself as much. I feel like she would maybe have her own personal driver a lot of the times. It seems like she was driving quite often. Well, in that particular scene, I meant, like, steady before she went to North Korea, seemed like the type of girl who always had a personal driver. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, and then the next text is that he reminds her to eat at the regularly appointed times. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then there's a massive Subway commercial. A Subway commercial in my drama? Uh, Subway paid for the series. Yes. In part. Yes, they did. And there's a huge Subway ad when Jungkook says this. Because said he goes to Subway. Mm-hmm. Eat fresh. Oh, God. <laughs> we would like Subway to sponsor us as well. I'd rather not. <laughs> Eat fresh. Anyways. And then the next text that he sends is that he sent Sadie a flower pot with very oddly specific instructions on how to take care of it. One of which is to say 10 nice things to a plant. Her things are kind of strange, but it ends in Chunghyuk. That last one to tell a plant to say 10 nice things, that's Sadie's own goddamn fault. Because she's the one who pulled that move on Chunghyuk. I'm going to tell you anyways, it's the middle. During their time in North Korea, she gave him a plant, the tomato plant that you see in that same scene. Mm -hmm. That's the plant she gave him. And then she says she read an article that like 
plants do better um, if you say like positive things. So say 10 nice things. So that's just a callback. Okay, but I feel like the 10 nice things are supposed to be... I thought the study was like 10 nice things about the plant, like complimenting the plant. I didn't read the article. I don't know. I've heard something where like music helps plant grow or like the tone of your voice, if it's positive, that helps the plant grow. I don't know. I don't care. That's fair. Yeah, I'm not too interested in plant growth either. Her list was just, you know, how important her company is. So those were 9 out of 10 was the company. And the last one is Jonghyuk. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and the flower turns out to be Edelweiss? Edelweiss. Edelweiss, which I'll talk about later, I guess. Yeah. Did you ever watch The Sound of Music? Yes, Allison. Okay, um, they they sing a song called Edelweiss. It's the flower. Okay. Then pronounce it correctly, then, if you know. Well, I know the song. I just don't know how to say it. Edelweiss. Did it say the name of the flower in the song? It's Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Yeah, I always sang that incorrectly, then. Oh, my God. I thought they were saying cradle by. <laughs> I always said cradle by. I blame my mother for that one, since she also said cradle by. Although, to be fair, I guess I should have known that because I literally listened to the Sound of Music soundtrack yesterday and I was wondering why they called it Edelweiss. Okay. And I couldn't figure it out, so thank you for letting me know. I'm glad to help you. Yep. Mr. Hong meets up with his work colleague. He explains to him that Seti has been acting strange and it seems like she has changed since her time in the North. She strangely seems to like piano music, which I guess she has a penchant for Chopin. Yep. And she treats her staff to chicken for Malpo, which is another advertisement for barbecue chicken. It is. Ryan, you said Chopin, like with a question mark. What were you looking for clarity? I was, I didn't know if I pronounced it correctly. I think I, I, you're the one who has instruments. That means nothing. It should mean you, that you should not be deferring to me. I, I play the recorder and the triangle and even then both those don't ever count. Okay, it was rhetorical. You didn't have to respond to the question. I did not like your intonation, so I asked. Uh, I think intonation. it's Chopin. I think it's Chopin. It's intonation. Intonation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, you were right. You should correct me. I'm gonna look up his name. I think it's Chopin. Yeah, it's C H O P I N. It is P I N, but I think it's like a Chopin, even though it's not Chopin. I don't know. Yeah, he's it's Polish. Yeah, okay. we're right. I think it's Chopin. Okay. And we cut to Seti's birthday. She's drinking on her birthday, and the messages that she has been getting from him have come to an end. This is when it's revealed that the cl- that the flower was Edelweiss. 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 He sends her a cryptic message about meeting up in the future. And then the last scene we have with Seti before a year later is that the older brother and his wife are meeting with Seti and Seti's mother. And they're having some nice family time. The older brother seems to have left company leadership to help out with other aspects of the company. And Seti wants him to run a foundation that sends talented children to musical programs. And she kind of manipulates him into running the foundation because she's like, oh, it's so important. It's not like you could do it anyways. And he's like, oh, I could definitely do it. And then his wife also encourages him to do so. So manipulation, yay. But it also gives the younger brothers, uh, or sorry, the older brothers some redemption, I guess. Or at least something to do, which I liked. Mm-hmm. All right, and now we cut to a year later, one year later. Seri is in Switzerland thinking about Chunghyuk, 
The foundation that she set up a year ago sends children to Switzerland with, and her ulterior motive is to find Cheonghyuk during these times. She comes back after this one time and she did not see him. The mother is heartbroken that she has not seen him yet, but Seri knows that she, he will find her. It looks like the younger brother is filing for divorce while he's in prison, which is class A act, so nice. There's a short scene that shows that Edelweiss represents memories, so I think that's nice. It's I wrong. Like the flower. Okay, what does it represent? I kept looking for sources that said that Edelweiss symbolizes precious memories. Mm -hmm. uh, I found nothing that supports that, and I checked to see if like the Netflix translation error. Since I was reading this through English subtitles, it's not. They translated it correctly. So this is the scriptwriter's fault. Edelweiss symbolizes, I guess, devotion, love, and bravery because Edelweisses grow on like mountainous areas. So back in the olden days, a man would like climb a mountain, pick an Edelweiss, and if he didn't die, like if he survived, it's like he's super brave and like he fucking loves you. So that's what Edelweiss symbolizes. Also, people, I think, didn't think the flower existed. So it also symbolizes like notoriety. What else? How the oh. hell did he get his hands on a seed of Edelweiss? I don't know. North Korean black market? Maybe when he was in South Korea? It's really not explained or shown why. And that's not the important part. Also, I don't think Edelweiss is a flower per se. The white petals are actually leaves. Hmm. Fun facts all around. But, it, but people do call it a flower. And this is a very interesting scene. Or the explanation for what it is and what it represents is very interesting. Did they just pull that out of their ass? Um, yeah, I think they did force it because in, unless I'm not reading the article that they read, I literally found nothing that supports the fact that Edelweisses symbolize precious memories. Maybe going back to the first episode when you were talking about movie references, this is just another movie reference and they only saw the sound of music and they thought that's what they were trying to say in the song. I don't know what the lyrics are to Edelweiss other than the name of the flower. I do think that it's Edelweiss is grown in Switzerland, so I think it's just to further bring back Switzerland, the safe haven that it is, or the safe haven that it represents. True. Actually, you know what? I'm curious to see if it is a reference to the movie, so I'm going to look up Edelweiss. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so I think the song invokes memory, which is probably why they thought it did. That's what it meant. I read articles, or not articles, but like blogs that like focused on flower symbolism, so. No, I'm just saying just the song. Yeah, 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 just the song. I don't know. I can't tell you where they got that. Um, I do think <laughs> that they were like, it would be really, really cool if it meant memories, because all they do is think about each other all the time. It's kind of nauseating, like a year later. Because they're in a long-distance relationship, sort of, kind of, with zero communication. Yeah, so the song is sung when Captain Von Trapp is saying goodbye to his beloved homeland, is what I'm reading from the Wikipedia article. Oh, so they might have, like, put this that connotation it... with the scene instead of the actual lyrics, maybe? That's or, what I'm thinking. It... Okay. So I think it's literally him just reminiscing on his time in Germany before he has to leave. Uh, that is a really good assumption or like a connection that i think that's really really good Heike, i think yeah that's that's what it is that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. okay i think we found the connection <laughs> why they did that stupid reason to be honest yeah the fact check was super easy to do yeah it's it's not hard just google it <laughs> all right 
So the next time that Seti is in Switzerland, she sees a busker. She thinks that it's Jung because he's playing Chopin, I think. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that it's not. It's just a random Asian dude that looks nothing like Jung Hyuk. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what was that, that was about. She's desperate to see her man. And then she vows to the audience that she will meet him again if it's the last thing she does. But she said earlier he's going to find her. Which is it? Okay. And then she fucking goes paragliding again. Yeah. And this yeah, made me does. so angry. Because I was like, oh yeah, because that worked out so well the first time. And then do you know what? This drama proved me wrong. Because apparently... <laughs> Paragliding must be her lucky skill because it brought her to Chungyuk in the first place and it brings her to him again. And I'm like, yeah. I guess she should just go paragliding all the time. Honestly, yeah. It's it's the lucky thing for her to do. And I was no, so angry. No, it's Jonghyuk's calling card. She can only meet Jonghyuk if she's paragliding. I was so angry. <laughs> I was all like, it's a ghost, right? Like, she just... So badly wants to see him, she's imagining him there. Because this is how they met the first time. Right, that's what I thought Crash too. landing. But it turns out it's actually him. He's actually there eating her face. Yes, that was disturbing as well. <laughs> Fucking, I was so angry. But the good news is, Chungyuk's hair looks really good. I told you, man, cleans up good. I know, but like, I didn't expect it to be this late in the drama. I was hoping it would be earlier. No, because it comes with, like, South Korea and, like, time change. Gross. So the drama technically ends with them in an embrace and kissing on a hill. But this drama does end credit scenes. So let's go into those real fast. Tan's uncle and mother are talking to some woman over the phone who is a fortune teller. So they're asking a fortune teller to, to see when Tan is going to get married. She rings a bell and finds the answer, the fortune teller does anyways. And it looks like there will be no men in her life after Alberto. However, it looks like she'll be very successful without a man. Which, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Sorry. I think that's the first time, like, a Korean drama's ever said that. Like, so directly. And yeah. so positively as well. I mean, yeah, of course she's gonna be fine. She doesn't need a man. And I'm very comfortable with that. No, I'm just saying it's woke for Korean dramas. Not maybe not woke, but like on time, on par. Because even Dan said like it's trendy now. So let's live trendy. She'll she'll be fine. And I do like that this drama does directly say that she'll be fine. She She's shown in Russia carrying yeah. the motherfucking cello. Like it weighs nothing. I don't think she's shown in Russia, but her performance is in Russia. She's shown on the streets. And I guess we assume it's Russia. And she's walk. She's carrying the cello like it weighs nothing. Oh, I thought she was just walking. I didn't assume that it was Russia. She she has her cello case, and I think the architecture looked Russian, so that's why I'm making the inference. Because she also says, off to Russia for my concert. Well, she said that she's going to practice the cello for her performance in Russia. Okay. Anyways, Tan's mother asked for a one-month tal- talisman for herself, which I thought was funny. The Ajumas talk about, I guess... Rat face is what you call them? I call him Rat Man. Rat Man. Um, And this is when we learn that he has that job standing in a field recording ambient sounds. The North Korean soldiers are going around trying to find South Korean products and find that Seti's Choice is the most popular item. It's like a shampoo. Seti's shampoo. I think that scene horrified me because that's the first time I found out that North Koreans don't use shampoo, conditioner, or body wash. They use soap for everything. A bar of soap. 
for everything. Yeah, that didn't shock me. <sighs> okay. It disappointed me, but it didn't shock me. It, it was news to me. Okay. <laughs> Seti is having another meeting, and she lets all of her associates know that she's going to be on another two-week vacation and to not call her while she's there. They all think that she's meeting a new guy, and they're technically correct, except it's the old guy. Mm-hmm. Side note, when Seti is driving in Switzerland, she's wearing Emporio Armani glasses. Cool. Which really annoyed me, because I hate that brand. The glasses, um, I think, are trending, though. Like, the, the style. Oh, that, that frame? Particular frame? Yeah. Yes. It's very trendy in Korea right now. I think bigger rectangular sunglasses are becoming more in, which I'm not a huge uh, fan of, because I think they look kind of chunky. I don't know about those. I just know the ones that Seti was wearing specifically. My mom was trying to buy for me, and I was like, that's not my style. I can see you rocking it, actually. I can pull it off. I just don't think it's my style. You'd have to change your wardrobe to figure out when to use them. Yeah, I think Yeah, and I don't want to do that. Fair enough. So Seti is talking to a man in English about the program. The English actor is really bad. I don't think he's an English actor. I think he's supposed to have a Swedish accent. And I think you can hear that. I meant the English-speaking actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a Swedish accent. Accent aside, it's not very good acting. Fair? I was just annoyed by it. You can be. Go ahead. I don't think Steady's English was all that great either, but, you know. Yeah, but she has a pass because her she's a great actress <laughs> in general. <laughs> okay, fair. Fair enough. This guy had one scene and he couldn't even deliver his lines somewhat passable, you know? Yeah, I do know, but, like, I think they did the best with what... He only had one scene. Like, he was... He did... They need to put so much effort, and they didn't, clearly. The next scene is Seti listening to a performance by one of the prodigies that the program is helping. He is playing Chopin's Moonlight. Chung Hyuk walks in, they hold hands in a clandestine fashion, and then we cut to a scene with them in the villa in Switzerland... Seti and Jung-hyuk are having a morning picnic with flower arranging, and that's the end. Finally. Yes. So, that's the episode play-by-play. Let's talk about what happens in the middle. Yeah. So, obviously, there's another four-way love triangle between Jung-hyuk, Seri, Alberto, and Tan. I think Tan, Jung-hyuk, they were engaged. Obviously, they, that was shown in this episode. They were fiancés to each other. Affianced. Is that the proper term? I think fianced? that's... Affianced is, like, to be engaged. Or, like, they were f- each other's fiancés. Oh, Like, okay. to be married. I just know that I like the word affianced. It sounds fancy. It does. It does sound fancy. I guess Jung-hyuk is kind of, like, a musical genius, and that's maybe why they thought he would be a good pair with Tan, because she also seems like a musical genius, just in a different instrument. But there's obviously going to be, like, social benefits for their families if they got married together. Seri, I feel like most of the time she's just in North Korea trying to figure out how to get to the South. But in terms of her family, the younger brother definitely gets the position that Seri was offered. He abuses that position to try and find Seri. I think they, they find out that she's in North Korea pretty early in the drama. And then the younger brother hires these people to go ahead and kill her as well as alberto because alberto had conned seti's younger brother and i think that's probably the main struggle throughout the drama i'm assuming that the village is the primary location for the remainder of the drama where 
Seti is trying to live with in that North Korean village and planning her escape. So that's why all those Ajumas were very close to her. Somehow Alberto and Tan meet up. Not exactly sure how. And I think Alberto was helping Chongyok at some point, but I don't know how they were helping each other out. But Tan probably meets Alberto while trying to visit Chongyok. And Alberto became like love at first sight and started like following her, being a little creepy. And then eventually she gives in because that's that's what happens all the time in Korean dramas. When she gives him a chance, she falls in love with him, but then he dies. Tragically. So I think you got the big picture details wrong. You got the small details wrong. So I got everything wrong is what you're trying to tell me. You can just say I got Every, everything wrong. All the minute details you got wrong. Well, you just told me I got all the big pictures wrong too. No, I, I said you got the big picture stuff right. I heard wrong. Well, I said right, and when you edit it, you can find out. I will be angry at you if I heard correctly. No, that's fair. But I know what I said. Okay, I'm, I don't want to like list out everything you said wrong. I'm just going to tell you what happened because you said a lot of uh, erroneous things. I'm going to do this chronologically. Tan uh, met Jung-hyuk in middle school. They went to the same middle school. And he literally never met her or saw her face. Like, he never, like, registered her. But she's all like, ooh, most popular boy in school. I have a crush. And when she became an adult, I think she tried to, like, hey, mom, this is the guy that I like. And they set an arranged marriage. Because when Jung Hyuk's... No, this was before he th- his brother died. So they were affianced before his brother died. And then... He, his death caught, delayed their wedding for Wait, three years. Wait, hold on, hold on. I want to watch this drama. <laughs> Are you going to spoil the entire drama for me? I didn't know you wanted to watch the drama. Uh, what do you not want me to spoil, I guess? I don't know. Whichever you don't think is that important. Okay, well, that wasn't important, and I kind of spoiled it. Okay, let me think big picture stuff then. Her family doesn't find out that she's in North Korea very quickly, they think she's dead and they hold a funeral. Uh, Seti reveals herself to be alive at her own funeral. Oh my god. So Alberto escapes to North Korea to, I guess, hide away from the second brother. And then he coincidentally runs into Seti because Seti was in Pyongyang running errors. And he his safe haven was, I guess, in Pyongyang. Alberto and her were engaged for a hot second. So he's all like, whoa, is that my fiance? And he's all like, nah, Wait, she's what? in South Korea. See? I don't know what to tell you or not. Oh my god. So he's like, wait, is that my like ex-fiance? Nah, that can't be. She's in South Korea. She would never be in North Korea. This is the doppelganger. But then like more run-ins, he's like, that has to be her. And then he like talks to her and she talks to him. They're like, can we help each other out, I guess? I think the only reason why Jung-hyuk and Alberto know each other is because they both were helping out Seti. Uh, Seti introduced Jung-hyuk as her bodyguard, which I thought was kind of hilarious. I think that's all I want to say about the middle, since I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you got the love quadrangle. Can I talk about Seti's family, or do you not want to hear that? I mean, you, can you tell me if I got that right, though? Her family Which part? dynamic? Oh, you know what? I didn't talk about the family dynamic. You didn't. You said something about the uh, first brother, but that was it. Okay, well, let's talk about the mom, then. Okay. So I said... I said to you outside of the podcast, I don't think that they're blood mother-daughter. Or if they are, 
she seems very cold to her so i don't i feel like that's not the case it's just like the feeling i get from that first episode obviously they have mended their relationship in this last episode because the mother starts caring about seti and i think it's because she realizes that the younger brother is a piece of shit <laughs> seti's biological mom is never shown so you're right that's not her bio mom because her brothers are older than her, I'm guessing the dad had an affair and Seti's the product of the affair. There was some child abandonment, but Seti's always loved the mom and the mom's always pushed her away because of like complicated emotional reasons. So that's why she was so cold to begin with, but she slowly comes to the realization that Seti always loved her and wanted her as a mom because there was no other mother figure for her. Okay. And then like accepts Seti's love and then begins to love her back. Can I talk about the second brother because he's well, what's kind the second of the brother, the older one or the younger one? Second brother is the youngest brother. Okay. Because he has a grudge against Alberto, he was looking in the wrong places because he's a dummy. His wife tells him to look like the last place you'd ever think, and that shows him a trail to North Korea. And then because Alberto's hiding out in North Korea, oh, he finds um, Seti. He finds Seti, and then his second brother's goons catch on, and then like he. Like, find this man, he's in North Korea. So then there's, like, a chase scene. And then it looks like Alberto gets caught. He's, all like, trying to get leverage. He tells the second brother, like, yo, your sister's in North Korea. And then that's a shock to everyone because so far Seti's been missing and no one knows why. And now he knows, like, oh, she's in North Korea. And that's when he, like, pays people to, like, keep her there. Slash, hint, hint, maybe murder. But all those attempts get foiled, obviously. How wild would it be if the attempt was like it happened and then the rest of the drama was chong Yuk trying to deal with his loss as well i think seti being in the hospital is a result from one of those attempts oh okay because it seemed like she just had a random illness they never specified she got injured i think because of an attempt she was fine she recovered from her illness i think either knife wound bullet wound whatever but then the bullet wound got infected with sepsis and sepsis shuts down like all your organs and so that was what we see in the hospital was her going into shock from sepsis got it okay that makes sense okay i i will watch the rest of the drama so i think we should stop talking about the middle maybe and maybe come back to it i'm actually surprised you wanted to see this because you didn't give me that impression the last time we talked about it honestly we'll see we might come back to this as an update when i finish watching it and then maybe we talk about it together just as like a little bit yeah, yeah. i really think you like the korean ajamas honestly they were a highlight in this episode and i feel like they will be a highlight in the drama for me i know you talked about watching reply 1988 one of the ajamas is in reply 1988 yes queens queens yes. all around yes um, so we might come back to this as like an update and fill in the rest of the gaps. But for now, I think we should put a pause on that. Um, uh, no, okay. Um, I, I just want to say one last thing because I want to say in the beginning and then like I was like, I'm going to do this later. I think Alberto had to die because I think they need real consequences to North Korea, South Korean romantic relationships because it shouldn't be easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl kind of thing. That's fair. Because it shows Seti and Jung-hyuk looking so happy in Switzerland. But the thing is, I think they're like, do you know the Korean like fable of like the star-crossed lovers? The cow herd and the weaver girl? No. Okay. So I'm going to go on a tangent. You can decide to edit it if this gets too long. But I think there's a farmer boy and there's like this 
angel goddess in the clouds, whatever. And it's her job and her sister's job to like make golden fabric, I guess, for all the gods in heaven, whatever. Somehow the cowboy knows about her, like the cowhand. Everyone's like, oh my god, it's true love. But the gods are like, you guys can't be together because you're human and like you're a goddess, a deity. But like mm -hmm. all the animals are like, true love. So like how do we get these people together? The coalition, like all the magpies or some sort of bird, form a bridge so that they can meet each other like once a year, like on whatever solar eclipse celestial event happens. And the cowherd and the weaver goddess walk across the bird bridge and they do kissy kissy. But because they're standing on birds, the birds can't take all their weight and they start losing feathers. So it's also like an origin story for why this particular bird doesn't have feathers on like the top of their heads is because two people were kissy kissy on the bird bridge. And then the bridge breaks away because they're like, oh, time's up. Star-crossed lovers kind of thing. And that okay, felt like... what is this in reference to again? That felt like this relationship. They can only meet each other two weeks out of the year for kissy-kissy. And then that's it. I see. And, maybe, and even then, it might not even be so easy to say annual because this boy has to get permission from North Korea every time he wants to leave. So, like, I think because they got their happy ending in a way, and then Alberto and Tan didn't, that one of them had to be more realistic or more sad. Like, because, like, they're comparing and contrasting. Because, like, they were all, everything's, like, faded and tied, and, like, there's, ugh. I agree with you. Yeah. There's a lot that I want to say about this drama, so I really hope we come back to this. And we might have to, because I want to watch it. I would really like to talk to you about, like, North Korean culture and what you thought of it. But I guess we'll end it here unless we should we should rate the episode before we end it. I'm going to rate this episode 8 out of 10. Oh, uh, 6 out of 10 for me. Uh, I'm rating it so high because I actually like how it concludes all the characters. I enjoyed the side characters a lot. I was more invested in the side characters than the main characters, I'm being quite honest. But I liked how they ended all the main characters' storylines. I was pleasantly surprised when Alberto actually passed away, and I like Don becoming more of herself in her grief. I think that's a good arc for her to have. Chun Hyuk, I feel, has also become more of his own person, and Seti has become more confident and a caring person, which I enjoyed as well. So I think it, it just it concretely finished the story for me that I have not seen yet. I agree with all your points. I think the drama did a good job showing how everyone affected each other, like all the changes that their journey has brought them. I just think that the drama went too long and this episode went too long because even though we've only been talking about it for two hours, I feel like there's more we could talk about just because of all the drama that happens. Because like... True. The North Korean soldiers were so brief in our discussion, but they're a pretty big part of the drama. Like, I think if you watched it, you'll care more about them individually. But so many things we had to gloss over because of the sheer amount of content. That's true. But I feel like we always complain about the ending of Korean dramas being too short or too mm -hmm. fast. And I think it was nice. I, even though I didn't enjoy, like, watching through so uh, such a long episode, I did enjoy that it completed a lot of the storylines for me you know satisfyingly i agree we complain a lot about episodes being too short um and that this one 
doesn't do that. It has the opposite problem of being too long. I, I do, what I really do love is all the symbolism or all the callbacks. It really does feel like that they've put a lot of thought and attention to detail to all the small moments they put in here. Well, I definitely think that we should come back to this, maybe a one-off just to discuss the things that we missed and mm-hmm. the things that we want to talk about, and I'll watch a little bit more of the drama as well. Okay. Right, but what are we watching next? Ryan chose Let's Eat 2 because we already saw Let's Eat 1 and one of us has to like be clueless and Let's Eat 3 was not available on Netflix at this time. We might come back to Let's Eat 3 later, but um, I just as a caveat. I already put that on the list. Perfect. All right. Well, I think that'll be all for this week. So I guess we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Don't Meet Me in the Middle. We want to thank Yon Onion Park for the cover art for this podcast. You can find her at cat.on.bread on Instagram. You can find us at Don't Meet Me One on Twitter, or you can email us at dnt.m.m.m at gmail.com. Bye. Bye, guys.